0: Hey, what's up, Cosmetic Family?
1: Thanks for joining us on the Cosmetic Podcast.
0: Cosmetic means being a person, a thing that gives rise to so a phenomenon that is dynamic or energizing. We're tackling topics and telling the truth. Hey, I'm Keith Fenson. And I'm Rodrigo Ross. So today we're talking about at the heart of it all. Woo! And heart is the key word. You'll learn more about that here in a little bit.
1: Come together for your family.
0: Today we're featuring Miss Dee Ellington. Yes. She is my board chair for the Moreland Y at Oak Cliff. Woo, woo! And uh recent heart recipient. Yes. And you're gonna hear this dynamic and powerful story. This is something that is uh this is almost like a lifetime show. We mm-hmm. need we need to put you on lifetime. That's lifetime what that's what it, it is. We're claiming
1: it right now. This is yes,
2: make sure the money
1: comes with it. That's right, that's right. <laughs> amen and amen.
0: <laughs> so D, take me back to when your daughter, or when you were pregnant with your with your oldest.
2: Yes. Janae uh, is my daughter and she's my youngest and she just celebrated her 29th birthday on last Wednesday, which is August 18th. Wow. So, 29. Yeah. 29 well, years.
0: No more than 33. I'm y'all
1: missing it. Cause if y'all saw the lovely D Ellington, you will call her, you know, she's telling that story. Right. No way. She got a 29
0: year old daughter.
2: But, and my son, I have a son who's 35 wow so
0: yes yes you really yes. can't be 33 huh
1: <laughs> right no, can't nobody be. gotta do math today let's just
2: <laughs> let's just get away from that right but yeah um uh you know had a really good pregnancy with my daughter um you know towards the end of my pregnancy you know I started you know that like like we normally do we start swelling we start mm-hmm. getting tired so on and so forth you know we're just we're just ready we're just ready mm-hmm. to give deliver. So, you know, had a really good labor, delivery. Uh, she was ten, 10 toes, 10 fingers, just Aww. a beautiful, beautiful baby. Uh, but however, I noticed that, you know, as, as she got older, you know, she was like six months, 12 months. I just could never bounce back. You know, mm. I was just always tired. Mm. So, I would, you know, go to work literally fall asleep at work and i i was in customer service at the time so and constantly talking to people taking calls solving issues so can you imagine being on the phone and falling asleep when someone's talking to you can you imagine that keith
0: i i I can only that that sounds like back when you were uh you know you're dating and you you stay up on the phone (laughs) the morning.
2: No, exactly. now you hang
1: up. up. Right? No, you hang
2: up. You know, no, yeah. both of y'all sleep right. So, working in
0: customer service, you're falling
2: asleep on the phone. I'm falling asleep on the phone, and you know, my performance it, it affected my performance, and so I started. I started. You know, that's when I started seeking the doctor. I was like, okay, something is not right. So, I would go to the doctor. You know, they do full exams. Oh, Miss Ellington, you just had a baby. You're just tired. You know, you need to go to bed earlier. Mm. You need to make sure you get plenty of rest. And at the time I had a six-year-old and an 18-month-old. So you can imagine how much rest you could actually get. Right. Um, so around 18 months, she was 18 months at the time, still same problem. So going to the doctor, you know, getting the same results. Um, I just decided to go outside, outside of my health care plan. And I did some research, went to another doctor. And the first day he diagnosed me Mm. with postpartum cardiomyopathy. Mm. Wow. And yes, and postpartum means that uh, during my pregnancy, normally during the last trimester of your pregnancy, I developed a virus that attacked the heart muscle, attacked the left ventricle of my heart, which caused my heart to become enlarged. And so at the time I was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, my heart was in the condition of an 80-year-old person. Oh, man. And I was only 31. Wow. Yes. And so that really started my journey. That was the beginning of my journey. So, you know, in and out the hospital, tests, exams, uh, my... Heart only functioned at nineteen percent, mm. and I was thirty-one years old. With two young children with two young children. Mm. Wow. Yes. Mm. Wow. And so, uh, after I had my series of exams and tests, uh, I was told that I had only about five years to live. At thirty-one years old. At thirty-one years head. old. I right. can't imagine. At 31 years old, they said, Ms. Ellington, you know, your heart is so severely damaged. Your heart is only functioning at 19%. You know, we give you up to five years. However, if you surpass that five years, if you get to the five-year mark and you're still here, you will definitely need a heart transplant.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I get to the five-year mark, which I did. Very obviously, I did. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. That was back in 1994. Right. So I'm thinking, I I bet, you know, I passed the five year mark. Okay, everything's cool. I'm just going to keep it moving. Right. So basically, that's what I did. I was treated with uh, medication and the medication. I responded so well to the medication that my heart function increased. Okay. So over the course of years, the highest my heart function was was 65 percent, which is really average. For a person, a lot of people think, oh, my heart functions at 100%. No, it doesn't function at 100%. Okay. The average is between 65, I would say between 60 and 70%. Oh, wow. Yeah. You yeah. done told me something today, Miss Ellington. Right, right, right. Okay. So yeah, So the highest it got was 65%, you know, so that was average. I was doing really, really well. And then uh, my mother developed cardiomyopathy. Hmm. Yes. So mine is hereditary. So my maternal grandmother died from cardiomyopathy. My mother died from cardiomyopathy. And I had cardiomyopathy. Wow. Yes. Wow. Uh, however, my mother family really history. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is so important.
0: But yeah. speak to that a little bit because you know, a lot of times. Uh, in particular, problem in the African-American community. I yeah. found this out. You were, you were sitting next to me when I got the phone call and right. with my mother with cancer. Uh, but yet, it takes so much for us to get out of our family kind of what's wrong with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you they yeah. get to the hospital and they're in there for a little while and still they're just giving you the surface level, but nobody's talking about, you know, their mother or their exactly. mother's mother, you know, like... Talk about how important it is for people to understand what their family medical history
2: is. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, well, I was fortunate um, growing up that my parents, my grandparents, you know, we were very transparent about our family history. So, for instance, on my mother's side of the family, we have high blood pressure, strokes and heart attacks. So my grandmother died from heart failure and she was um, she came from a family of 15. She had 15 siblings. Wow. Ooh, woo, woo. And all of her siblings died from either heart attacks or strokes. Wow. That is my maternal grandmother. Yeah. Yes. And so my mother's siblings, my mother comes from a family of eight. And um, she died from heart failure. She had a, a brother that died from a massive heart attack. And I have an uncle. Her brother, is, you know, had a stroke. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so it's in our in our family. Right. So my father's side, uh, we have strokes, high blood pressure, kidney failure. But I grew up knowing this, you know, because it was explained to us that, hey, you guys have to take really care of yourself, eat. So back then we ate from the ground because I'm from Monroe, Louisiana. Okay. Yeah. So it was not, you know, you go into a restaurant picking up. No, no, no. We went home. We cooked to the, put them beans and greens in the pot, right?
3: Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. And so that's how ham I grew hot. Up. What you know about a ham
1: hot?
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know that's Wait. right. I'm a little. Okay. Keith didn't even feed me today. I'm a little hungry just Damn. having this conversation. Uh. <laughs> do, do better, Keith. Do better. Dang. You've
0: Thank gotta, you, Pete. Yeah, that, that family history is so, so important. So important. So
2: important. Uh, yeah.
0: And uh, yeah. we gotta be able to to reach out to our family, be able to talk about that, uh, those situations more. you need more. to
2: have those conversations are
0: really important. just being open and being transparent for everybody's sake, right? Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So you got
1: past the five years, you, yes. you were at 65% with medication. Mm-hmm. So what happened then?
2: Yeah, so I just lived my life, you know, uh, raised my kids, you know, mm-hmm. worked a full-time job. Uh, then my mother got sick. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, she got sick, but mm-hmm. I didn't know she was sick. She didn't she didn't disclose yeah. her illness yeah. to me yeah. until yeah. the very last minute, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it was Mother's Day 2013, and I promise you guys, it was a Saturday, Saturday Mother's Day. I got up and the Lord said, go home
1: Mm -hmm. to Monroe, Louisiana, to Monroe, Louisiana. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so I was like, go home. So didn't even think twice. I was like, you know what? It's Mother's Day. Let me go surprise my mom. So I went home, drove home, you know, knocked on her door. And when she came to the door, she was like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing here? So on and so forth. So, you know, we had a really great visit that weekend. But she told me during that weekend. She said, you know, I really need to sit down and talk to you. Yeah. And I said, OK. And so, you know, before I left on that Monday morning, I said, OK, so what do you want to talk about? She, she said, oh, don't worry about it. We could just talk about it later, you know. But I left I, driving back to Dallas. You know, just something in my spirit was saying, you know, something. Yeah. Something is going on, mm-hmm. you know, because I saw the look on her face. I don't, don't, You know, we had a great weekend, but I just really felt something was heavy on her, on Mm -hmm. her mind that she needed to share with me. Yeah. So then I went back the next month because it just stayed with me. I went back in June. Yeah. And um, just so happened she had a doctor's appointment. So I took her to a doctor's appointment. And so they were going, her doctor was going over a list of her medications. And I thought to myself, that's a cardiac med. Mm. And then he called another one. I said, that's a cardiac med. Mm. And so I'm sitting there looking at the doctor and I'm looking at my mom. And I said, mother, I said, why are you taking cardiac medications? And she said, oh, because I was diagnosed with heart failure. Come on, mom. And I'm like, what? what? So can you imagine, you know, sitting there, you're listening to the doctor rattle off all these. Are you taking this? Are you taking that? Is it? And having no clue that your mom wow. was in heart failure. So that's how I learned my mother was sick.
3: Come on. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
2: Wow. So from that point on, I was just, I was livid. Yeah. I was livid with her. So we get home and I said, why didn't you tell me? Well, I just didn't want you to worry because I know you're in heart failure. And I said, but still, you know, yeah. that's something I needed to know. So every every weekend I was driving from Dallas to Monroe. Yeah, and for, yeah. for
1: the folks who are not in the Dallas area, how long is that drive?
2: That's a four and a half hour drive.
1: One way. Right. right. So yes. every weekend, nine every weekend. hours, just yes. in the car.
2: Yes. Mm. In the car, yeah. Mm. Just to spend a couple hours with them and then I drive back. Right. So I went home right after my birthday in July and I went to her house and she didn't answer the door. Mm. But I had planned to stay with my aunt, you know, to spend my aunt. So mm-hmm. I spent the weekend with my aunt, and before I left the city, I something just said drop by the house. So I drove by her house, and I'm knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door. She didn't come to the door. So then I thought, okay, well maybe she's out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So by the time I get home, get ready for bed, I get a phone call. Mm. It was my aunt on the phone, and she said, "Your mother." went into cardiac arrest. Wow. Today. Mm-hmm. So you need to come back home. Mm-hmm. So what I uh, later on found out, she was in cardiac arrest while I was knocking on her door. And you were knocking on the door.
0: Oh,
2: wow. Wow. I had wow. no idea. And that's why she couldn't come to the door because she was in cardiac arrest.
1: Yes.
2: Gotcha. So just so happened, she had the phone. She was able to call my uncle, her brother who lived next door. Mm. So, she, so he broke in the house and... You know, called the ambulance. So, next day I get back on the road. And when I get, you know, get to the hospital, the doctors had a very can- candid conversation. They said, you know, her heart is so weak, um, she's not going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then when she went into cardiac arrest, it also affected her kidneys. Yeah. Wow. And so, when it, yeah, so it affected her kidneys. And so she went into kidney failure. Wow. Yeah. So they had to give her, she was on dialysis every day. And then, so, you know, anybody that knows about your body, your heart controls everything. So once your heart fails, that's when you start going into organ failure. So her Mm -hmm. kidneys failed, her liver, everything, you know. So she, that was the middle of July and she passed away August 3rd.
3: Wow. Wow.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I was just so thankful that I was able to spend time with her. You know what I mean? I just took off from work, I took a little leave and I just stayed at the hospital with her until she passed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and all this time, you going through your own, exactly. right? you know, exactly. cardiomyopathy and taking medication right. and, and all of that.
0: And you mm-hmm. have a pacemaker inside to yes. keep, yeah. keep you going.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had a pacemaker. Um, I had a pacemaker implanted and defibrillator oh, mm. wow. implanted in 2007. Yeah. So um, mother passed in 2013. And in 2014, I had to have her replaced because that's the amount of stress mm. I was under. And that's the amount of grief I carried. Yeah. Even yeah. after she passed, I, w- I just grieved. I grieved for, I know, a good year.
3: Yeah. Mm, mm, mm.
2: You know, because I felt I felt that. If she had told me, you know, I could have brought her to Dallas and she could have, you know, been under the care of my doctors. And, you yeah. know, so I there was a, there was a lot of guilt there. Yeah. A lot of guilt.
0: But mm. yeah. well, then you also took this change in life also about your your health overall. Uh, of course, you had to watch everything uh, over all this time. But at this at some point, you took this real big change about your health in terms of working out. Can you walk us through that that journey right there? Sure.
2: So, you know, after mother passed, I was always, you know, you know, pretty, I was in really good shape. I'm not saying pretty, because I'm always in good shape. But um, I was in really good shape. I started working out, you know, um, I always had a really good diet. So, but I just really picked up in my workout. So I started working out five days a week. Um, and I did that up until the, I was transplanted, you know, up until I got sick this year. But I also started uh, competing as a bodybuilder.
1: Can I? So I'm going to tell you, D some years ago when I first met you, first of all, the first time I saw you, I had to look down and make sure, let me get myself together because this the standard around here.
3: This is
1: what we're doing around here. Okay, I need to look like huh? Let me get myself together. And then some years later when you told me you were entering in bodybuilding contest, yes, yes. I said, you know what, if I didn't already love D, I wouldn't be able to stand her right now. <laughs> you know how we do. I can't stand right. her because right, right. you know how some people they'll tell you, oh yeah, I work out a lot and I'm doing this. And you looking at them like, hmm, okay. You could look at D and say, she's not lying. She absolutely yeah. does that. She yeah. looks like yeah. she's in bodybuilding competitions. Just but, gorgeous. So, I, go ahead, girl.
0: So let's let's <laughs> we get let's get something. Because see, sometimes you think you gotta be 22, 23, 24 in order to do
3: bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the,
0: and, and I know you—you're not—you—you know—you right. don't hide your age because right. yeah. So tell people so people can understand the the impact of yes, what we're talking about. Bodybuilding. Yeah. Talk yes. about when you started to shift and uh, started bodybuilding. How old you were?
2: Yeah. So I I started bodybuilding. Uh, let's see, this is 2020. I started bodybuilding about five years ago. But before that, I was working out. Mm-hmm. You know. So I was I was in the gym five days a week. And what people fail to realize, it really doesn't take a lot yeah. to get in shape because half of it, over half of it, is what you put in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So,
0: the re- yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, the reason I got really quick results, not because I was in the gym lifting weights and running, is because I really watched. My intake, so Mm -hmm. I wash my protein, my carbs, excuse me, and my fat. So, and then of course I drink a lot of water. I drink close to 100 ounces a day. I'm not expecting you all to do that. 100 ounces? That's
1: like like how much is in the pool? Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I drink I drink a lot of water and the reason I drink a lot of water is because I like, have been on medication since 1994. Right. Yeah. Right. So you got to make sure that you make sure that your, your organs are, uh, that your that the chemicals, the the medication that you're taking, they don't, you know, clog up like in your liver or your kidneys yeah. or so you have to constantly drink water so it can make sure that it's flushing through your system. And you know, our is about what 80, 90% water anyway. So when yeah. you lose water, when you're working out, you're sweating. You got to replace that. Uh-huh. So, yeah. and it and it and it makes you look good. Yes, it did. Okay. Sure I'm 59 be. years old, and Ooh. I get... yes, I'm 59. So you were years about old. 54, 55 when you yes. got into the
1: bodybuilding. Yes. Oh, so I don't have no excuse at 29. Right. You still got to ride. You still got, think, plenty you you mm, got plenty got of time. You got plenty of time, Keith. You... Baby, work it. Keep it, Keith.
0: Eight, D said I got time. Yeah, 29 <laughs> a, plus, plus plus the 29th year. <laughs> I, I
1: said at the very beginning we weren't gonna do math on this podcast, didn't I say that? <laughs>
0: yes,
2: but it, it, all of it, you know what, guys, all of it comes together the amount yeah. of sleep you get. And Keith knows I'd be on him about his getting his rest, mm-hmm. because you got to get an adequate amount of sleep for me. I can get seven to eight, seven to eight hours, I'm good. If I get anything less than seven, it's not pretty. It's not gonna yeah. be a good day. Yeah. 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 It's just not gonna be a good day. Mm-hmm. But all of that comes together to help your body function properly.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, so if we're cheating our body on rest or an adequate diet or water or whatever, then your body will tell you, hey, you're neglecting me. You're neglecting me and I need you. I need this in my body in order to function properly, in order Mm -hmm. to allow you to go out throughout, go throughout your day. Right. Yeah. We don't listen to our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that's one thing I've always been proud of. I listen to my body. If I'm tired, guess what? I'm going to get in the bed. (laughs) That's right isn't that easy right, for Y'all, me it is not for you <laughs> but for me it is you know i was do you want to go somewhere? Oh, no, child i'm in the bed mm. <laughs> no i ain't gonna be able to do that today no because i'm getting my
1: rest. i love you know, it i'm
2: to no. you that no can't do it i am mean i can't no. do it not today <laughs> <laughs> no, i'll catch me next week but no not today right. yeah i mean you gotta listen
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you're sitting around the house. You are uh, doing some stuff, running around town, talking on the phone to one of your family members. Uh, yes. FaceTiming. Um, take us from, you know, what went on, what took place on that phone call announcements.
2: Okay. Well, can I take you like a couple of weeks before that? Let's do that. Oh, okay. So January of this year, 2021. Mm-hmm. I in, the go, pandemic. Oh, in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, good gracious. In the middle Girl went, yeah, yeah, went to Jamaica. Ooh, Jamaica man. Yes, Ocho Rios, Ocho Rios, Jamaica. In the middle of a pandemic, Mm -hmm. in heart failure. Mm. Yeah, but I'm fabulous. I'm sure. Yes, Mm. yes, but you know, you all, both you all know me well enough that a pandemic does not stop me from right, right. That is failure. Heart failure didn't stop me from traveling. That is true. It ain't never stopped me. So if I Mm -hmm. want to go somewhere, guess what? Get my passport and I'll holler at y'all when I get back.
1: That's right.
2: (laughs) That's right. So went to Jamaica, had a fabulous time. I mean, hiked the Dunn's River. That's about three hours, Mm -hmm. right? Horseback riding, zip lining, uh, ATV, this did it all. Okay, so that was the first of January. So... That last, and so I said, you know what? When I got back, I said, I'm just going to take a week off from the gym, you know, because I hadn't been vaccinated and I just want to make sure that I get tested before I go back into the gym. Mm-hmm. So, got tested, no COVID, everything was fine. So, I went back to the gym. And when I tell y'all that was the hardest, I struggled. Mm. I struggled. The, the, I mean, I was only, I mean, I struggled so where I, I couldn't even finish my workout. Wow. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was just like dragging. It's like, I was coming down with a virus or something like that. And I thought that I said, well, maybe I'm coming down with something. Maybe I picked up a virus in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So my trainer, uh, you know, he would call and he would say, so how are you doing? I said, you know, I'm just really struggling. So I went back the next day, same thing. So I just took, the, I went, I went two days and I just took the rest of the week off. And I said, well, maybe I'm just still tired from, you know, the trip. So the next week was the last week of January. Didn't even go to the gym. Mm. I mean, every day I, I woke up, I was just slow motion. Everything was slow motion. And I found myself, you know, elevated, meaning I, I had to sleep on four or five pillows just to sleep comfortably. Wow. Mm. That was the last week and I had never done that before because I can sleep on one pillow or no pillows and I'm fine. Right. Yeah. But that last week of January. And it's just I couldn't catch my breath. Mm. So that weekend came in that Sunday morning, which was January 31st. I woke up and it felt like a truck had run over me. Uh-uh. And I thought to myself, I, I sat up on the side of the bed and I thought, OK, something is seriously wrong. Yes. So I put my Apple watch on and I got up, I cooked dinner, you know, did my laundry. I sat down and I ate and I just started tapping my Apple watch and my, I noticed my pulse rate. It would jump up to 110. Now I'm sitting,
3: mm-hmm.
2: no movement, but my pulse rate would jump up to 110. Mm-hmm. Then it would drop down to 60. Then it'll jump back up to 90. So it was just up and down. And so my cousin called me during that time and she said, she always FaceTimed me. And when I answered the phone, she looked at me, and she said, what's wrong with you? And I said, what do you mean? You know, I'm playing it all. She said, I said, what do you mean? She said, you don't look well.
3: <laughs>
2: and then I admitted to her, I said, you know, I really don't feel well. She said, well, what's going on? I said, well, my pulse rate is erratic. I said, it's going up and down. And I said, I said, I'm just tired. You know, I said, I just got up, you know, cooked dinner, you know, did a little laundry and I'm just tired. And so she said, what I need you to do is go get dressed and drive yourself to the emergency room. Wow. And I will stay on the phone with you until you get. And I'm looking at her like, girl, you tripping.
1: <laughs> I'm not. No, <stopping laughs> it's the emergency room. Yeah. And
2: she said, she said, because my cousin's kind of on the dramatic side. <laughs> <can be tripping." laughs> I said, cut the drama. She said, no, I'm serious. And I saw her face and I thought, oh, she's serious.
3: Like, she's serious.
2: Yeah, she's serious. She said, now you have one of two choices. Either you drive yourself to the hospital or I call 911. Oh. And I said, well, I do not want you to call 911. So I would drive. So I did. I drove and she stayed on the phone with me the entire time. So I drove to Medical City because mm. that's where my cardiac team, that's where they practice. Mm-hmm. So by the time, guys, by the time I drove, parked my car and walked into the emergency room, I couldn't even breathe. Oh, Oh, wow. I was so short of breath. You know, they were they were intaking me. So they were getting like my name. I couldn't even tell them my name. Mm. Wow. So they took me They immediately took me in. And they started taking my vitals. My blood pressure was high. My pulse rate was low. And I was full of fluid. Mm. And they ended up taking about 10 pounds of fluid off of me. 10
0: pounds? Wow.
2: 10 pounds of fluid. Mm. And you know, the, the doctor told me, the ER doctor, he said that's why you couldn't breathe because you had fluid in your around your lungs. Mm. And so they admitted me, they called my cardiologist and, and uh, the, my cardiologist said she's never, ever complained. So you need to admit her. So they admitted me and the next day they started running, you know, all kinds of tests and everything. And by that time, my heart function, I lived on 20% for maybe three years. So mm-hmm. can you imagine living your heart is only functioning at 20%? But to me, that was normal. Right. 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 So by the time they ran all the tests, my heart function had dropped to 15%. Mm. Just that quick, just like within 24 hours. Mm. It dropped from 20 to 15%. So then she said, "Well, you know, you picked up some type of virus." And she said, "You could have picked it up anywhere." And she said, "Not only that, we've detected a blood clot in your heart."
3: Uh, uh, uh.
2: So she said, we need to focus on trying to get this blood clot dissolved. So they put me on Eliquis, which is a blood thinner.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And she said, if we can get the blood clot dissolved, we we'll won't go in. Because at the time when all this was going on, I was having um, irregular heartbeats. So my heart would beat real fast and then it would slow down. So they were proposing in order for my heart, it wasn't beating fast enough for the heart, for the pacemaker the pacemaker was just didn't help but mm-hmm. it didn't be it wasn't erratic enough for the defibrillator to activate to kind of you know uh shock me back mm-hmm. the rhythm. so they worked i mean i was there for a week blood clot still there it was still lodged so they said well we're just gonna you know keep you on eloquence and we'll follow up with you on a weekly basis
3: mm-hmm.
2: so they changed they changed out a lot of my different cardiac meds because the medications I'd been on, I stopped responding to them. Wow. Because I'd been on what since 1994? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So my cardiologist said, hey, you know, you're no longer responding to the medication that we have you on, so we have to change you up. Okay. So I go home, and guys, that was the week of the ice storm when I got home.
1: Oh, <laughs> man.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So I said, Oh, my gosh. So not only did I have to deal with, you know, what was going on with my heart, but I was cold. Right. <laughs> <laughs> on top of everything. <laughs> on top of I ain't had no heat. Oh. So I was like, so I just thank God for my daughter. My daughter lives here in Dallas. So she moved in with me. She packed her bags. She went to her place, packed her bags, and moved in with me. And she was my full-time caretaker. Mm. Yeah. So fast forward, you know, in and out the hospital, guys, like, I would be home a week, then I'd go to the hospital and spend a week. Go back home, back in the hospital a week after. So from February 1st to April, I was in the hospital four times. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. And each time, keep in mind, each time I went, my heart function dropped. Mm. So I went from 20% to fifteen percent to five percent. Wow! I was five percent when I got home in March, the middle of March. Mm-hmm. So they had to fit me with this with this bag, this medication that was intravenously. Just you know, so it's it that was that uh, medication was totally responsible for keeping my heart beating. Wow. Okay. Because mm. I was told when I left the hospital, they said you have to wear this bag because if you don't, your heart will stop. Mm. Yes. So I had a home health nurse come in every week and she would change out, you know, my patches, change out my IVs. And so the first time the home health nurse came, uh, she was going over all of my records and everything. And so she asked me, do you know what your heart function is? And I said, yes, it's 5%. She looked at me. She said, that's impossible. I said, "Uh, why is that impossible? She said, I've never seen anybody look like you with a heart function of 5%. She said, you got up and you answered the door and you let me in and you're walking around. Yeah. Mm. And she said, you can't be at 5%. So you know what I did? I pulled out the paperwork and I showed her. I said, my EF, my ejection fraction is 5%. She read it. She said, oh my goodness. Mm. She said, girl, she said, you are covered by God. Amen. Hello. Mm. Hello. She said, I have never, she said, a woman in your condition should be in the ICU. Wow. She said, but you answered your own door. I said, yeah. I said, well, I've been living on 20% for years. So, you know, was I tired? Was I weak? Yes. On 5%? Absolutely. But I had grown accustomed to being tired and weak. Yeah. So that's all I that's all I've known for the past 28 years. Uh, uh, and so I went in the end of end of March for a biopsy. And when I went in, the doctor said, okay, so there's a 50-50 chance we may have to keep just for observation.
0: Mm-hmm. I said, okay.
2: So I go in, go down, they prep me, go, you know, go through the biopsy. Of course I was uh, I was asleep. So I remember when I came, when I was coming, waking up, I heard the doctor call my, call my cardiologist. And I'm still on the table, you know, they're getting me to wake up, they're prepping me to go back upstairs to my room. And I heard the doctor say she can't go home. Wow. He said, we need to admit her immediately to the ICU. And we need to put her on the transplant list. This was March, of March 31st of this year. Mm. So can you imagine waking up and that's the first thing you hear? Yes. Right. Right. Oh, you know, right. So then I'm thinking I'm lying on the table like, OK, Deedee, this is it. So they get me back up to the room and guys, when I tell you they had all kinds of doctors coming in and, you know, I had a psychiatrist, I had a social worker, I had a chaplain, I had the entire cardiac team, transplant team. It was just like a revolving door in and out, in and out, constantly. So. You know, and everybody, you know, my transplant doctor, he said, I'm just going to be very, very straightforward with you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He said, you're very sick. And he said, there's a greater, he said, there's a really good chance that you won't make it. Wow. He said, but we're going to do everything we can to ensure that we go through the process and we, we're trying to do everything we can to make sure you get a, tra- get a new heart. He said, but I can't guarantee that you will live long enough in order to receive it. I said, okay. So, you know, just so having my kids were there. And like I said, my kids were amazing. They were there with me the entire time. And so we all had like a family meeting, you know? So I stopped signing power of attorneys and DNR do not resuscitate. I had, you know, all these bracelets on, you know and I just had a candid conversation with my kids um, after the doctors and nurses left. And I said, Hey, you know, I, I honestly, I said, I know I'm sick. I know I'm critically ill. I know I'm dying, but I don't feel I'm going to die. Okay. All right. I said, I'm not even thinking about dying. I said, but what I need you all to do is to believe that I'm going to make it. Okay. Okay. All right. I said because I need your spirit, I need your energy, I need your strength, I need everything you all have. Mm -hmm. I need you all to help me pull through. And they were like, okay, mommy, whatever we need to do, we got you. I said, okay, so I started signing off. It's like I signed my life away. But you know, I had to sign a lot of liability from, you know, not holding the, the hospital uh liable it, just in case i, I passed you know because mm-hmm. i was made aware so that was march 31st so i was put on a transplant list on april 1st now the transplant list is not as easy as you would think they have several stages they go from one to ten right mm-hmm. so ten is like the ten is like okay we know you need a transplant but you're not there yet right okay so I started out as a four. I started out as a stage four. And although my heart had was close to failing, it hadn't completely failed. Right. Right. So the doctor came in and they, you know, after running tests, they said, OK, now your kidneys are failing. And he just told me, he said, "Miss Ellington, you are not going to survive. You're not going to live long enough for us to, to double transplant you. Oh, so we have to put you on life support. <gasps> mm. He said, that's the only other solution that we can, that we have in order to kind of keep you stable and sustain you until we can find your heart. Wow. That, that was mm-hmm. April 1st, April 1st. By that time, guys, my heart was functioning at 2%. percent mm. One, two. So signing paperwork, went down, put me on the life support. So the life support is called ECMO, E-C-M-O. Mm-hmm. And so what they what they did was they implanted a tube in my groin. And mm-hmm. since my kidneys were failing, since my heart had already failed, my kidneys were failing. And it was sort of like a dialysis, right? So they put the tube in and the blood would transfer out of my body into the tube through this machine it would oxygenate my blood and then put it back the tube would transfer it back to my body wow. that's to sustain my kidneys okay the actual uh impeller was they they went through my neck and they uh, cut my chest open and they put a pump into my heart to keep the heart pumping so you got tubes in your
1: groin, tubes I
2: in your it. neck, chest, yep. oh, crazy. Yep, Just bandages everywhere, right? Yeah. So that was April 1st. So just, just from that procedure, I moved up on the transplant list. So you're eligible for a heart transplant if you're at a stage one or a stage two. And I was at a stage two.
1: And the only reason I was
2: at a stage two and not a one is because I was on life support.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. So if I weren't on life support, you know, then I'd be, on a, I'd be at a stage one. But since my kidneys were failing, they had to put me on life support in order to stabilize my kidneys. So, yeah, because they said, no, there's no way you could, you live long enough to do, but no. Right. Not gonna, right. not so that was April 1st, right? Mm-hmm. That was the Thursday. So my son, my son you know very religious very spiritual person
3: mm-hmm.
2: he says mom he woke up that that friday good friday he says mom you're going to get a heart by the end of the end of the weekend okay
3: that's
2: okay. okay he said you're gonna get a heart it's okay so every day Friday, he get up you know go throughout his day leave come back saturday the day before resurrection sunday Mm-hmm. You get up, leave, come back. And so that Saturday he came, he came to the, to the room and he says, mom, he said, tomorrow you're going to get a heart. I said, okay. <clears throat> he said, do you believe you're going to get a heart? And I shook my head. Yes. Cause you know, I was intubated, couldn't talk. And I said, yes, He said, okay. So Easter Sunday, resurrection Sunday, kids yes. wake up, you know, happy, happy Easter mom. Happy resurrection Sunday. And, you know, all I could do was nod my head. Uh-huh. So both my kids left. But my daughter came back. But my son was, you know, he stayed away for a little while. Uh-huh. So my daughter and I sitting there, we're just watching TV. And we just, you know, she's just laughing. And then all of a sudden, my son runs into the room. He says, Mom, you got a heart. No way. And I, you know. I just sat there, because my son is a jokester. Anybody know my son? He loves to kid around. I said, you know what? That's a really cruel joke. <laughs>
0: but I'm not going to yeah, play yeah, with you yeah. today, right? Nah, 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 nah. This ain't no playing time. ain't no playing <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> Drop say, the L is. and put in an the R in there. Let's, exactly. let's pray. <laughs> I, said, like, this is, I said, this is what we ain't going
2: to do today. We ain't going to play. <laughs> gonna so I just sat there and looked at him. He says, no, for real, for real. The transplant coordinator just called me and told me they found you a heart. And then my and he just started shouting, literally mm-hmm. shouting, running through the IC room, ICU room, you room, shouting, crying. My daughter was up crying, you know, clapping, thinking thank you know, praising God. And then the nurse walked in. Uh huh. ICU nurse. She said, "Miss Ellington, you're gonna get a heart in the morning." And that's when it dawned on me. And so, guys, I, I didn't was on so, the edge of my chair. Oh my good gracious! Right, God. I was so. I was so overwhelmed with gratefulness and thankfulness. I, I couldn't even cry, you know. I couldn't even. Of course, I couldn't talk. But I, I was just sitting there, and in my mind, I thought, "God, you are amazing." Oh man!
1: It I mean, only—that's you- what we need. Good music, you know. how I up Yeah, yeah, music. yeah. Oh yeah, my God! Yeah. So, oh. Yeah. Resurrection Sunday, literally. Resurrection. Oh,
2: Mondays. Yes.
3: I got a heart.
2: Yes. I got a heart. Four days, guys. Four days. Mm. I was on the transplant list. Four days. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Four. Wow. You know, four. The,
0: as I listen to your story, holidays or days that we recognize are significant. So I'm going to run back through some days. Uh, for you, based on your story. You know, you have Mother's Day. Mother Day has a, a new meaning uh, right. for you because your your mom passed away on that day. Right. Um, and then when you talk about... Uh, April one. Like we yeah. look at that as the jokester day. But no, this like is they when, were not
3: joking.
1: You know, we don't <laughs> need to
0: be joking this day. <laughs> no, right? That's that the was day not that a joke. you get no. you know you get on the list for your right. for your heart. Yeah. Right. And then um you know Easter has this total new meaning now, exactly. right? For you personally. Exactly. I mean you celebrate your own life and you celebrate the resurrection of of Jesus Christ uh, Mm. as, as well. And then when I, you know, think about good Friday, your son is walking in and saying, Hey mom, you you you're going to get a heart and then mm. then comes easter you you get the heart and then we and then uh you know haven't even mentioned your birthday which is july 4th you know you you know everybody celebrates everybody you know, celebration you all, all these fireworks they for the they for dl they for dl <laughs> exactly. exactly exactly, exactly. What, a, know, what a what a powerful powerful story wow I mean, so as we wrap this up it, <laughs> Help me put into to words for people who are listening here. What does life really mean now?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, I'm going to try to say this without crying. Mm-hmm.
0: Take your time.
2: I just shared with my cousin last weekend that my love mm-hmm, for people has grown Yeah. deeper. Yeah because I had such an outpouring of love and support during my short journey. Yeah. I mean, from prayers, I, I, prom, I, I felt every prayer. Mm. I just, I just felt the anointing of God's spirit the entire time I was in the hospital. I had a nurse walk in one day and she said, you're actually glowing. Mm. She said, You're glowing. And I felt, I just felt the anointing of all those prayers. So my love for people is far deeper than it was before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My conversations mm-hmm. with like you and Rod, Keith and Rod, is more passionate. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It has more meaning. Yeah. Because I, I, I talk to you guys, I talk to you guys like I'm not going to ever see you again. Yeah, mm. because guess what? That's a great possibility. Right. right. So when we see each other, we're supposed to embrace each other with love because what you'll you, you may not ever see that person again. Right. Right. And my time is far more valuable far more valuable. Mm-hmm. My no means my no, my yes means my yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's about it. It's very seldom a maybe from now, you know. <laughs> There's it's no in between. Babe, that's babe. Nice. babe. I just... <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying, it's just my senses, my spirituality has been heightened. It's like on a 10 now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how
2: I treat people, how I interact with people work that I do especially for the Y and you guys know how passionate I am about my work at the Y yes ma'am I mean it's just it's just it, it's a gift mm-hmm. I don't look at it as as something oh violet no it's an actual gift to be able to share my passion with other people so everything is just heightened
1: all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, as one of those people that was out here praying and was hoping that it yeah. reached you, you were absolutely in my prayers, D. You are my hero. Aww. I promise you just how strong you are and how beautiful you were that way the entire time, in spirit and physically. I am so excited that you took this opportunity to share your story with us. Um, you, you, you are our ancestors' wildest dreams. I want to definitely be you. When I grow up, thank you for spending time with us today. And thank you to all our listeners for listening to Cosmetics.
0: Where we're tackling topics and telling the truth.
1: Subscribe and listen to us weekly. Hey,
0: and don't be shy. Give us a five-star review.
1: And as always,
0: be dynamic. Be phenomenal. Be Cosmetics.